0: Podcast is scheduled for one fall, with a 60 minute time limit. Coming out of the black corner, a combined weight of 666 pounds. Recording to you from Dick Clark's Evil Lair. I'm your boy Xander Hobbs. This is
1: I'm Bobby B, and I am ready to count it down. Eight,
0: and once again, we're bringing you another e edition of the Wrestleocalypse. It is upon us. And it is surely upon us indeed. We have a few hours left until the new year. Um, By the time we're going to get this dropped before the ball strikes midnight. So you can have something to listen to in case you're not out there partying like a rock star. But um, we have some cool things for you guys. And we're excited to get started, Bobby.
1: Yes, indeed. So we're going to go through. We've been doing the top five news and happenings of the wrestling week as we've built as we've gone through 2021 so we're doing a kind of a uh, year in review top five with some predicts and previews of what 2022 might bring so without further ado we're going to start not alphabetically but not coincidentally with AEW over 2021, AEW really has built a kind of a juggernaut, putting together a string of really top-notch pay-per-views. They brought on Rampage, a second television show to go along with their flagship Dynamite and their YouTube online products, seamlessly introduced new talent, uh, including multiple Hall of Famers from the WWE brand. Um and here they kind of sit. I don't know if they sit atop the wrestling world, but they certainly, I feel, have the most buzz. Um, so the question is, what did they do? Where do they go in 2022? And how can they capitalize on this momentum that they've generated?
0: Um, yeah, that's all good right there. And I agree with all pretty much all of that. As far as what they do, I think they just keep their foot on the gas and keep doing the same thing, keep the continuity of the storylines, Keep. Um, grooming, you know, their guys that are going to be, you know, their flagships for the future, which you can see them doing now with your MJFs and your jungle boys and, you know, just keeping it in line, keeping staying in the lane and, you know, not quite getting excited over certain things. And I think that they can keep, they can keep going into bigger and better things. And I just think, I don't think they need to do anything different, you know, per, per se just keep the same trajectory that they have right now and they should be all right.
1: Yeah, I agree. I like those. I think that was the one thing that I really stuck out at top of my mind is um, I think in 2022, we're going to see a lot more um, spotlight and emphasis put on some of their homegrown talent. Like you brought up the three, the three young guys, uh, Jungle Boy, MJF, Hangman Page, all in their early half of their twenties, just doing really great work and really ready, you know, to kind of interact with these hall of famers, like the American dragons and CM punks and, you know, some of the talent they've been able to bring in. Um, so I think that's really important for them. I think really one of the things that made their program so much better in 2021 was kind of the emergence and solidification of the women's division. Um, Mm And I think it can't be understated how much that just made the shows more well rounded. Yeah, like, where you could actually have women's wrestling that meant something and it was good to watch. Like, right. So definitely, 2022, they got to keep rolling on that. I think.
0: Yeah, like a, that's a that's the one thing that they can keep improving on is the women's division because it's by far like it's not perfect, but it's leaps and bounds better than it was in the infancy of the promotion, and with names like you know. A Kakarushita, Britt Baker, um, Chris Statlander making a huge improvement. We have um, Thunder Rosa, we've got Serena Deeb who's a solid veteran hand there. And then, you know, with people like Layla Hirsch that are getting better, um, I know they're strapping the rocket on Jade Cargill who's got a good look, but you know, she needs some work to be done. Those names right there, you know, can round out the division as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, with Tony storm on the horizon, I don't see a problem with her bringing her in after her 90 day, no compete clause is brought in.
1: Yeah. And they just introduced Mercedes Martinez, um, last right. night. So just getting a little bit more, uh, veteran savvy and know-how, which is only going to help, you know,
0: exactly. And with all those names I mentioned, they can all work. So, you know, pl- as long as you place them, with the right people where they'll be able to like kind of carry a match and, you know, elevate the person with them. I don't, I see that working flawlessly.
1: Yeah, me too. I think really uh, 2022 is going to be, they have a lot of abilities to kind of build, uh, continue to build the company going forward. So really excited to look at that. Um, Obviously the main competition for them really, and kind of the, the, Three hundred pound elephant in the industry, WWE. Really, twenty twenty one for them has been about some very eyebrow raising decisions they've made, um, both I would say creatively and business wise. Obviously, you can't talk about WWE and talk about the roster cuts, um, but they did have some good programming and they writed some things. So, what do you think WWE were the, the the spots, and what do you think were their botches in twenty twenty two?
0: Well, the spot I've got to just go ahead and like um, put it out there because it's almost becoming a botch as of right now, but not quite, is finally putting Roman Reigns where he belongs. You know, they wanted this guy at the top of the card, but he was getting a lot of like pushback. And with this character that he has as the head of the table and whatever, it, his character wise, he's been great. Now, the where this is turning into a botch is like they haven't had. That many good programs with him just because of the way they build their talent or the lack of, I should say, and just knowing that he's going to come out on top. Like, there's nothing wrong with having a dominant reign, but at least kind of give some hope out there for some of these guys. But when you're throwing in guys like Cesaro, Kevin Owens, um, you know, Jimmy Uso or Jay Uso, I should say, and, you know, Daniel Bryan. Those guys are not bad, but we know that they're not beating them for the title. And it's just like, it's just a pain by numbers thing constantly. And like I said, unless you build someone, there's not really anyone viable to take the title off him, which lessens my interest and a lot of other people's in watching his programs. Yes, they are good, especially this one with Brock Lesnar, but it's like, we want to see who's going to get the title off of him. As far as other spots go, I mean... I really like the return of Edge. Like, that's been cool. And the programs he's been involved in were great. Um, Seth Rollins, I'll put him in the spot category because since he's come back with this like uh, drip king character, he's been great. Like, just because it's just him times 11 and his obnoxiousness is really entertaining. Um, Bianca Belair was a spot, then it turned into a botch because of how they've been booking her recently since she just dropped the title unceremoniously to Becky Lynch. And as far as that goes right now, that's pretty much all I've got on the top of my head. I mean, the botch with NXT 2.0 so far, I can include that. And I mean, that's, that's as far as I'm concerned, unless you can add anything to the table.
1: No, I think you, uh, you covered most of the big, the big items. You know, I think one of the things I'm most disappointed in is, you know... They've had success. I mean, with like for instance, RK Bro. I thought right. that was a that was a good pairing. Um, even though in WWE, if you're doing tag team wrestling, you you're not really you're not really relevant, you know. Which is yeah. also kind of sad about how they've done the um, Styles and Omos program because I want to see AJ Styles doing more more relevant, you know, work. Um, and I think they just. They cut a lot of people, and they didn't have a plan, and I think right now I look at a roster that's really disjointed. You don't have a lot of, like you said, um, really capable people of challenging this this head-of-the-table character, and they've really done a poor job with everybody they've kind of run through on the raw side with whether it was McIntyre dropping the title, Lashley's. So, meh and iffy. Like, it's just there's nothing really compelling. Up. And lastly, just to put a, a stake in this is like, I've always said that in many ways, WWE isn't so forward thinking that they created this really great women's wrestling division. It just kind of happens in spite of themselves often. And it's really shown because their women's division is far worse than it was when we started 2021. Yeah. Across all three of their brands.
0: Yeah, that it certainly did take a nosedive. And I'm glad that you mentioned that. And yeah, like you said it perfectly, they, they succeed despite themselves and they want to take credit for this women's division. It's like, if anything, it was Triple H, you know, putting on these matches in NXT with, you know, the four horsewomen and, you know, AJ Lee before that with her promo. And they didn't really capitalize on a lot of this. And, you know, from poaching people from NXT, bringing it up to the main roster without a plan, this is the result of what they've done. And this is where their division is as of right now.
1: Um, so yeah, I think what I can think about with WWE is uh, I'll check out the um, results from tomorrow, see what, what they how they start the year off. But really, um, you know, just watching, kind of watching from the sidelines. Not really going to invest a lot in their products or, right. or their programs. Say what you were point.
0: saying in the beginning, because I feel like you are saying something and you muted yourself.
1: Yeah, no, I just I did. I repeated myself. Okay, right. Yeah. On. So. Um, but one thing i 'm totally going to invest myself in in 2022 and we did in 2021 and we were pay- repaid handsomely for is MLw and the way really for the size of their promotion it just really knocked the last year out of the park in my opinion
0: yeah, I mean, they had a lot of trouble during the pandemic they had to like kind of shut down and they brought back they when they resurfaced resur- they um kind of threw some ideas out there and really hit the nail on the head, especially towards the end of the year. I mean, with Hammerstone finally reaching the uh, world title and he resigned and they have now, now with Davy Richards, the opera cup winner, TJP is in there. And then now they threw in this Lucha underground S style of it. It's really cool. Like if you're looking, and I've, we, I've always said this and I'll keep saying it again, cause it's important. If you're looking for something different with some wrestlers that you will know, I mean, I say check out MLW. It's a no-nonsense. It's an hour. And they really bring it, hit, uh, hit, hit a home run with their product, especially when they do their specials. So there, there's a lot of, lot of things to look forward to where they're going this next year.
1: Yeah, I really like how they kind of are stable heavy. They have some really unique groups. I like the whole the whole concept of Contra, but then you still have like the Von Ericks right. and I just really feel like they've kind of set themselves uh, head and shoulders above other independent products, especially in the American scene. Um, I feel like Impact has lost a little bit of momentum in 2021. Um, I do know that they will have uh, the Ring of Honor title is going to be defended on their next pay per view, right? Um, But they, you know, to me, it's just they haven't had as much momentum. And haven't been able to kind of break through the, the fuzz um and njpw they keep trying to they're they're you know they're raising the stakes in in america uh with their programming but really you know njpw is just very hard to pay attention to and watch because you got to stay up till ungodly hours to watch the programs and so it's tough
0: yeah and their platform is hard to navigate through their on um, uh, new japan world and um they got hit kind of hard at the beginning of the year too, injury-wise, because um, with Kota Ibushi out and then Will Ospreay getting injured, where he had to vacate the title. I mean, that that was a big hit to them, you know, because I'm sure they had a lot of things programmed with those two. So um, you know, hopefully they can pick up some momentum. I'm kind of behind on the product right now. So that's pretty much all I can say about that. But I see some, there's some been some interpromotional deals working in you know, with uh, AEW, um, with Minoru Suzuki. And I'm i I'm here with some other people are going to be coming in. So that'll be cool to see. I mean, so it can only be good things coming up.
1: Yeah, definitely. And that's kind of the last part about with like really with independent wrestling, we see kind of these, you, we're getting an AEW leading the way. We're getting these intra-promotional agreements. So, you know, we were seeing the Good Brothers wrestle impact. We saw Christian Cage win the impact title as an, but an AEW wrestler. So, you know, I think it's good. I think it raises everyone's, I, the, the smaller promotions, people's awareness of them, but I don't necessarily know if they really, if the deals really worked out as well as they thought. Um, right, And I yeah. think they need a little tweaking in 2022 to make things a little bit more equitable, let the talent of the smaller promotions shine a little bit more. And I think we'll, we'll start seeing some of the benefits of those deals. Absolutely. But one thing that is always a question is we struggle to uh, really distill down the content that we cover because there's so much different stuff, whether it's wrestling promotions, uh, whether it's shows about wrestling, Dark Side of the Ring, for instance, uh, Heels. uh, Is pro wrestling, has pro wrestling become oversaturated? And what is that going to look, what does 2022 look like as far as? How content, how we kind of distill down the content that we pay attention to?
0: Um, I thought about this for a little bit. I think it's oversaturated, but in the extent of that, like it's so easily accessible and there's so many different platforms to watch. So it's hard to like kind of digest everything all at once, you know, whereas it was like back in the day. You had a show, you didn't have the internet as highly accessible, as highly, you know, accessible as it was. So like, you couldn't watch all these shows. So you had to wait like a week on terrestrial TV to watch something. And you only had a couple of shows. And when you have it right now, you have everything at your fingertips. So it's oversaturated in that aspect, I think, to where, you know, you have to really like Pan out your time to catch all these because it moves quickly and it's all on at the same time.
1: Yeah, one of my thoughts about it was kind of like we feel like professional wrestling is like baseball. If you're a baseball fan, you're gonna watch a bunch of baseball games through the season and like oh well, professional wrestling, but really professional wrestling is like television shows. And I may like the comedy uh I Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And not like Gossip Girls or whatever. And so I feel like there's always kind of been this thing that if you're a wrestling fan, you watch everything that's wrestling. And I think for a long time we have. But I think really in 2022, I'm just going to watch the shows that I like, you know. And I'm not going to really worry about trying to invest in knowing what's going on specifically on Raw, for instance, like, you know, because I don't like that show. I just don't right. like that show, so that's I'm going to watch good, the shows yeah. I like.
0: That's another good thing too, because while we can focus on the shows that we do like, when we have a show like Raw or even SmackDown, I, you know, you could just read what happens and then maybe you can catch a couple segments that you do like. That's how I've been running it lately. Um, if the show, if I can see that the show is mostly good, then I'll sit there and watch it and watch the segments that I do like, and then I can have my time all of my time available to completely watch the shows that I do like. And I think I'm going to be going that same direction as well.
1: So our plans for 2022 Russellocalypse, based on what we talked about, I think number one, really curating the content that we talk about to be the things that we really enjoy.
0: Yeah. So I think you were uh, muted on there. So we're, we're talking about our plans for the Russellocalypse on 2022,
1: right? right?
0: All right. So, yeah, mostly my, I think both of our plans is to get this out to a few more ears. You know, that's always the number one goal is to keep expanding this podcast. And, you know, I liked how we are, have dilute, not diluted, but kind of condensed everything that we like and what we feel is um, on the hot button. To something that we can deliver in a more digestible way instead of overwhelming this because there's so many goddamn wrestling podcasts out there. And the way we do our second half is that can kind of set us different from others to get us to check it out. So that's what I'm planning on doing. And I'll be having more time in 2022, hopefully. So where I can really focus on, you know, just getting this out and promoting this the proper way that we should be.
1: Yeah. And I think one thing definitely, uh, as we kind of continue to wade through the, this coronavirus pandemic, um, definitely would like to go see a live wrestling show this year.
0: Yeah. If you know. Yeah, for sure. Like I, that's, that's part of uh, my plan as well, just because I just started getting out and going to see concerts and stuff. And so wrestling shows definitely on there. I'd love to see AEW out here, you know, like, or maybe if it, if, it's in the cards to go fly somewhere. That's uh, that I'd like to spend my time in and check out a show there. So always, it's always cool to go to different venues and stuff outside of where we're at. But um, I've been keeping my ear to the ground. I'm following My Twitter is open again. So you guys can hit me up on there. I'll give you the link in the mailbag. And so I, I find a lot of things on the Twitter machine. So, you know, that'll be in the cards for sure.
1: Awesome. Awesome. All right. We're moving on. We are trying to uh, keep to a time schedule, which we never do a good job at, but when you have the insights that we have, you just, sometimes they go long, but we're going to do our odds and ends year in review. These are going to be like best male wrestler, female wrestler, pay-per-view of the year, yada, 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 yakety schmackity. So um, let's jump right into this. Best male wrestler of 2021. Who you got, Xander?
0: Well, I'm going to go with the cleaner, the belt collector himself, Kenny Omega, just because, I mean, there's some other names that I had in mind, but in my opinion, and with the work that he did through through different promotions, through collecting belts, through putting on stellar matches while he was injured, I got to give it to him. Like, changed his character, you know, still the same Kenny Omega, wrestled great matches throughout promotions. And like, so I got to give it to him.
1: Yeah. He was definitely uh, up there for, for me as well. I went with the American dragon uh, earlier in the year. You may know known him as um, Daniel Bryan later in the year. I you'll know him as this program. what's up. Betty White has died. Oh no. Breaking news. What happened? Betty White has passed away.
0: Oh, wow. That's nuts. Cause I, that's insane. Cause she was like 99 years old, I think.
1: Yeah. A hundred years old. Yeah. 99. Ah. She didn't make it to a hundred and, and it it was John Madden. He started it.
0: Yeah. He's so we're at two.
1: We, we did. We watched her documentary yesterday or the day before.
0: I might have to check that out. So we, we got two more or th- one more on the table.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So if you're old, if you're old and obviously listening to this podcast, Cause our demographic spans from, from seven years old to 99. Uh, take really care of yourself. Yeah. Take care of yourself. Cause you're in the danger zone.
0: Yeah, you are.
1: All right. Yeah. That's what we do. We break news. But anyways, like I was saying, uh, Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryanson, American dragon. Uh, he just, he was, he really held it down all year long. He basically main event vented the biggest pay-per-view of the year for WWE. Main event did one of the best pay-per-view for AEW. He basically instantly can turn himself from face to heel and back again whenever he wants. Right. He's just phenomenal. Kenny Omega, obviously Bell Collector too, certainly deserving to be up there. Uh, we're picking nits between the two because they both were just so phenomenal this year.
0: No, I'm not mad at that pick at all. When I saw that, I was like, yeah, I can go with that. And like I know that some of you out there will be like, well, where's Reigns? And I was like, well. This is our podcast and, you know, this is our opinion. We're not taking anything away from Reigns. While he may have been the biggest story overall, this one, I feel our our picks were a little bit more um, worthy.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm not going to celebrate Roman Reigns for a heel turn that happened over a year ago anymore. Like, we're beyond that. That was last year. This year, I like his character. I like Paul Heyman and Usos, but really – not a lot of great matches. He's not always on TV every week. He's not doing the work that Kenny Omega and, and other wrestlers like, you know, the American Dragon were doing. Correct. Um, moving on. Best female wrestler of 2021.
0: I went with um, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, just because she seemed to get better as her title reign went. She collected the title this year, correct? Correct. Yeah, so she got it this year, and whether she's in the ring wrestling or she's getting interviewed by Shivani, like she's great. She's gold. So it's, that's important too. Cause people always say that, Oh, just because you're a good wrestler doesn't mean that you um, are going to be marketable or anything. And like, the thing is her wrestling, isn't that scientific. Her wrestling is, is as just what she needs to do, but through her promos, through her character, through her work that she's been putting in, it's always, I always tune in to check out a segment with her no matter what and um i don't know that's that's my pick for female wrestler of the year
1: yeah and i'm 100% on board with that i think looking back at the year i think it was bianca Belair's to lose uh you know coming off her winning the title and everything and then they just they put a stop to that
0: yeah and so. that's and that's what would have been my pick honestly if they didn't like from the January to SummerSlam or to WrestleMania, the way they were building her up. And then when SummerSlam hit, it's just all been downhill for her. And so that's not any fault of her own. And that's another problem we have with the WWE, just crushing someone's momentum when they see somebody else that they used to rely on. And I, you know, that was a big swing and a miss with them.
1: A hundred percent. And that's why Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, Stands tall as the best female wrestler of 2021. Congratulations, Doctor. Um, The best tag team wrestling combo of 2021. I went with the Usos. Maybe not what everybody expected, but I feel the work they did and what they brought to the table, it was incredibly important to the only good storyline of WWE. And they are actually more, more multifaceted than Reigns.
0: Yes. And I can see where you're coming from on that. And even though, yeah, you know, they're Reigns lackeys, but they bring so much to a tag team division that's sorely lacking and they can do a lot of different things. They're almost utility players. So, you know, the Usos are never going to have a bad match. That's what's cool about them. I went with the Lucha brothers. And so it was between, it was a toss up between them and the Young Bucks. But just because they were champions, I didn't really consider that and you know they did have good matches as well but they weren't as featured as much as the lucha brothers and just the way the lucha brothers just just take it up a notch every single time they're in the ring and like how over they are with the crowd and how just how good they are with anybody whether it be the bucks ftr um you know they're going to be up against jungle boy and
1: luchasaurus
0: on wednesday i thought that had to give, give the nod to them
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I see it. I love them. I love them. They were awesome. I was watching. uh, They were in one of those classic AEW 12-man tag team matches or whatever it is on Wednesday. And every time they come in and the way that they wrestle together and the way they wrestle with other teams as well. um, Just really, really awesome to watch. I agree. Um, So I'm like, you know, definitely... AEW has the the tag team division, at least domestically with mainstream product. Just so much far and better than than WWE. So always fun to watch and the Lucha Brothers are probably tops in them. Um, Moving on, what was the best pay-per-view of 2021?
0: This was hard for me, but then it wasn't because I compared the cards and I went with um, All Out. 2021, All Out. Just because... If you go down the card, um, you had the main event with Kenny Omega and Chris King Cage. Awesome match. CM Punk's return to wrestling uh, going up against Darby Allin. Penta and Phoenix defeating the Young Bucks in the cage. Uh, You know, and Dr. Britt Baker uh, defeating uh, Chris Statlander, among other ones. And then full gear, I know we had the crowning of hangman adam page but i thought the overall card of all out was better than full gear both were phenomenal pay-per-views but i had to give the nod to all out not by much
1: yeah i agree they were both great pay-per-views and that's kind of what we touched on at the beginning was just aew in the second half of the year really really uh hitting their stride um with both of those programs you could have gone either way um also, I do think that I think Summerslam was a good program for what D- WWE has to offer, and then um, the uh, MLW—shoot, um, I'm going to forget its name. War Chamber. Uh, yeah, that's the one where um, Hammerstone took the title.
0: Oh correct? no, that—that that was um, uh, Battle Riot.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, they put together some nice pay-per-views too.
0: Yeah, they have good specials. You know, that's just like. I just, cause I can't watch them at once. They put them out in segments. So I, yeah, I I agree with that as well. But I thought just like, you know, as far as what a pay-per-view should be and how they've made me feel and how I used to view them back in the day for me all out along with full gear brought that back in me that I haven't had as a wrestling fan in a long time, if that makes any sense
1: yeah definitely um it was they were really good they were both really good uh and looking forward to what they bring in 2022 um obviously the only way you're going to get a good match is if you have a good feud so you actually care about why these people are fighting and i'm just going to say uh the best this is a two-year payoff you nailed it i agree hangman adam page kenny omega this year, wrapping that up, we've had so much legs as a story, so much emotional investment in it, just really, really good.
0: Right. It's like, I, I'd be a fool if I didn't put that. And like, there was just, just with the whole package, I'm not just talking about the match, because a match re- contains like the whole package, like you said, of the build up and then the payoff, which is sorely missing across all promotions at, at times. And with the Hangman page and the Kenny Omega feud, like you said, it went on for two years and, it, and we got that payoff that we wanted, that the crowd wanted. And the match on top of that, the icing on the cake was phenomenal. Was just was just great, especially with Omega wrestling with like a, a slew of injuries. So it, I had to give that the nod.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I did like, there were some other good feuds, but not, not any that were, a lot of them were just transitory feuds oh we gotta we gotta have a match for this pay per view so these two wrestlers are gonna feud and then whatever you know so right. um nothing had the uh had really the the balls that the the heyman and omega uh, feud did um who do you think made the most uh astonishing surprising electrifying debut of twenty twenty one
0: for this one i gotta but before I get to that, I see that you have Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa in a lights out unsanctioned match.
1: Yeah, I put year. that. I put that there. And I, but I mean, maybe it's maybe it's the um, recency, right? Right. Because I like the the Hangman and Omega match is still like more there, but that match was freaking awesome.
0: Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to see what he's had to say about that. But um as far as my debut of the year goes, I gotta give it to Braun Breaker, baby Steiner, as he's like to be he's like to be called, because I've seen a lot of debuts happen. And you know, even with like debuts of some of the greats, they didn't start off with as much like momentum as this guy's had. Like, talk about a guy that can that checks all three boxes right away. And you know, he's got that presence. He cuts a promo and he's great in the ring, and he had some. He had some good matches against Tommaso Ciampa, the war games match and everything else. And I mean, I was going to, uh, hook is a close second, but he's only got two matches under his belt. So I can't just throw him in there. So, um, yeah, Braun breaker has my debut of the year. So there you go. WWE guys out there. It's not just the AEW thing.
1: Yeah. And mine also comes from a WWE debut or re or I guess, uh, surprise entry into the Royal rumble. And I'm going with Christian. Um, One of the things WWE loves to do almost to a fault is they love the big surprise, especially with the Royal Rumble, right? Especially with the Royal Rumble, um, the big surprise, getting the pop, the, you know, really pulling on those nostalgia strings. And I didn't even know I wanted to see Christian wrestle again until he did. And now he's been, now he's at AEW, but he continues to just really remind me of how good he was and how much I liked him. Uh, back when he was in his prime, well, his, his first prime, I yeah. guess. So I'm going with Christian. I think Braun Breaker, Braun Breaker ceiling as, as high as it could be in WWE. And this could be, go back. We'll look at this much like we did uh, with the rock, you know, his premiere, his debut. We're going to look back at that because he is that good. Um, yeah. And so I don't, I don't disagree with you, but definitely if we're going for the, the nostalgia and the, like the excitement I had seeing Christian come out, that that's one that goes for me. Fair enough. All right. We're we're going to kind of, uh, you know, kind of give a, we're going to transition with a taste of some of our second half um, content. And so we're going with some of our favorite, favorite things we talked about in some of the cool shit segments. Um, What was the best things you watched this year?
0: Well, this one, I didn't want to go deep into the um, notes. So I just did the ones at the top of my head, which are relevant. Um, I did see Spiracy just because it really opened my eyes to something I already knew and learned more and like just kept me stronger in my convictions about some of my ethical beliefs that I have and that I've like, you know, even grown on. So I thought that was a very good, sad, but yet informative watch. And then also this is recently and I'll talk about it more on the um, second half of the show is The Orange Years. It's a documentary on Nickelodeon that's on the Hulu. Spiracy, you can catch on Netflix, by the way. And it just like, it really brought back my the nostalgia of my childhood, but I'm not going to get into it as much because I want to talk about it more on what we watch.
1: Yeah. Again, maybe recency bias, but it was just so damn funny. Um, the actors are great. The storylines are great. Uh, vampires and, and stuff like that are, are always fun, especially when, You know, they're kind of uh, forced to live in the modern world because vampires are obviously, by nature, not modern. Uh, So I really like that one. You were were cut out. So say the show. Oh, What We Do in the Shadows? Okay. It's just, uh, you know, about vampires living in Long Island. Just normal stuff. But uh, it's really, really well written from the minds that brought us um, Flight of the Conchords. Really, really good. And then... Um, probably as a close second is I really love this show called grand designs. Um, this year they wrapped up some projects that had been going on for years. And then, you know, having the setbacks from the pandemic, but it's really good. It's on, uh, it's a British show. We watch it on Brit and uh, it's just really normal people doing really crazy and silly things and trying to build their dream homes. So I really enjoy that show. Those are the two I got for you for this year.
0: Right on. Those are good.
1: Yes. We're coming to the end. We've got just a few more. What was this? This is our favorite segment now. Get rid of one. What was your favorite get rid of one of the year?
0: Again, I'm just going to go with like what popped up in my head first. And it's a pretty recent one. I'm going to go with the uh, obscure, not Christmas movies. um, That was a typo. Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. I thought that was super funny. And I thought it was fun to dissect them. And um, yeah, that was a really good one from our own Bobby B.
1: Yes, indeed. That came from um, enjoying Jingle All the Way. Uh, I think my favorite get rid of the one as I kind of reflected back on is I really liked, um, I really liked the, and I'm trying to make sure that it was, I'm pretty sure it's this year. I liked how I liked the ones where you have to make an uncomfortable decision. So I think of the ones, you know, bringing on things like the Lakers, like where you have to make the uncomfortable decision, or for instance, we did a lot about music where you're forced to kind of have to get rid of something that you really like. Um, so definitely I think the Lakers one, I really liked the ones that involve food. Like we did a dessert one. We did the ice cream one, which, uh, you know, now, do you, what do you, do you get to eat ice cream anymore? I have to
0: eat vegan ice cream. Yeah. Oh.
1: What's your favorite vegan ice cream flavor?
0: I'm um, just uh, off the ones I've tried. Like I have tried like a, uh, like a chocolate swirl chocolate vanilla one, just basic. Cause like I haven't expanded out. I haven't gotten ice cream lately cause I'm on a minimal sugar kick. So, I mean, as I, start eating more of these things I will let you guys know what I'm liking but so far so good like you really can't tell like it definitely doesn't have like the richness factor that some people do like it like I'm not really big on like it being super rich and creamy but it does the job for me so I'll take it you know and like I said my why for it you know outweighs me you know with the getting knocked on my forehead with the creaminess
1: factor right but gelato is is vegan right I think it is. I think it's made with water, not cream. Yeah, not milk. All right. We love Get Rid of One. Xander's going to wrap up the last Get Rid of One of the year in the second half, which we are coming up to quick. We got the last thing, Walkout Music of the Year uh, 2021. We're going to plug it again a little bit later, but just to remind everybody, you can check out. We've got 120 songs so far on our Wrestleocalypse 2021 in episode music playlist on Spotify, Jeezy Um, So what, this year, what was the best one that you thought?
0: I gotta do a th- uh, throwback to you again, and that's Richie Cunning's Pure Imagination. Um, that song just hits. It's got a dope beat with the sample from Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, and the rhymes on it are good. Like, that. that's just a cool-ass song, so I gotta give that the nod.
1: Yeah, I really like that song, and that's definitely a... Um a, definitely a nod to the algorithm of Spotify, uh, you know, really finding out what I like and putting it out there for me. Um, I do love that song, but I'm not going to pick it as my favorite. Um, I think that I am going to go with the, where is it? I wanna make sure I get the name of it right. I am going with uh, We Stitch These Wounds by the Black Veil Brides. Oh,
0: very nice, very nice. Yes,
1: so it was from um, earlier in the year, uh, but I really like it. It has this very, um, like mix between kind of like metal but like it's a little bit unique so right i really like that one and i wanted to go with something that maybe a little bit unexpected as well so
0: yeah that's i'm not mad at that but that was our um year in review our now annual year in review since we've been doing this for a little bit now and um if you want if you like or disagree with it you can get at us and see what you like and see what some of your top things were But on that note, while you contemplate that, we're going to take a quick powder and we're going to come out to you with the second half, which we like to call cool shit. Yeah, boy. Favorite segment and the Dark Lord's favorite segment. What do we like to call it?
1: We like to call it Cool Shit.
0: And once again, we lead off Cool Shit with the mailbag.
1: Special delivery. All right. This one comes from Max Badness. I really enjoy the show and the variety of content you guys put out, wrestling and non wrestling. I just want to know if you guys do a New Year's resolutions, and if so, what are they?
0: Well, I don't necessarily do them because I think they're trite and, you know, I'm not, not me especially, but they don't get followed through it. They get forgotten about in a couple of weeks after the, after it wears off. But, um, but if I had to do something, all I am going to do is continue on the momentum that I have right now, like not just with this podcast, but in my life. And, um, you know, keep doing the things that I'm doing and improving on the things that I need that I'm continuing to improve on. I know it sounds convoluted, but that's what I'm going to choose to do. But it's not a resolution. It's just how I'm going to consistently live my life.
1: Yeah, I don't make resolutions, but I do use the first of the year to reevaluate my goals from last year, what my goals for the next year are going to be, Um, you know, but it's not like I'm not resolving to quit drinking monsters or anything like that. It's more, what are my goals and what are the things I need to do to accomplish those goals? So that's the way I look at it. Um, You know, I think new year's resolutions can be a powerful motivating factor uh, for some people, but I agree with Xander that more typically it's people just trying to be a part of something at the beginning of the year and talk about your resolutions, go make the gym all crowded for like the first six weeks of the year. And then, you know, figure out some way to sweep them under the rug, like, you know, a bad habit, for instance. Um, so thanks badness for enjoying our show and our variety. And that's where we stand on new year's resolutions. Um, the next one comes from the Woo nation. What are the, some of the things you guys are looking forward to in 2022?
0: Well, um, like we said, at the top of the show, just getting this podcast even more to more listeners, to more ears, to more people throughout the world. Like I know we had a map last year of all the listeners that we had and I was quite impressed with it. And I just hope to see more on that. And uh, I haven't seen the map yet, but that um, me finally finishing up with school coming in April, getting um, back in the working world and, you know, just starting off new here and, you know, just continuing on the momentum that I've had, because, you know, as if you look at the world and what it's telling you, it's been like, trying year. But for me, I don't really have complaints about how this year went. So um, for 2022, I just want to keep the momentum. That's the key word of the day of what I've been doing and, you know, even reach a higher level to where I'm at now.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's things like I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to the Cowboys winning the Super Bowl in January, for sure. I'm looking forward to, um, Getting uh, back to the beach, we do a yearly trip. So there's a lot of things I look forward to through the year. I think overall in 22, what I'm looking forward to, though, is hopefully um, just being able to be more consistent with doing, creating content, whether it be on the Apocalypse or or doing design work or anything. Um, I find that generally, you know, the more I create, the better the things I create are so. I'm looking forward to really hammering, getting, uh, getting to work on doing that sort of things and seeing where that uh, takes me in 2022.
0: I like it. I like it.
1: All right, WWE's budget blade. Oh Jesus, is this Laurenitis? Is he just like he's just making up names now? Yeah, is he's it- got he's
0: got um, burner accounts. Yeah, oh,
1: jeez. The AEW Dynamite card for the inaugural show on TBS looks stacked. Do you think AEW will have Brian Danielson take the title from Paige? And would you agree with the decision if they did? Laurinaitis, it's a two-part question, first off. yeah, We don't have the budget for that. You're cut. 30-day non-compete, though. Yep. Um so yes, the A-Dynamite, the Dynamite for uh, inaugural Dynamite show on TBS does look stacked, which I'm not surprised the way that AEW is willing to give away free, awesome wrestling on TV. Um, I don't think they're going to have Page drop the title. I don't think if, the, I mean, if they do, I don't think it's the right decision yet. That being said, I can probably talk myself into some ways where it is the right decision for an ongoing program.
0: Yeah, and I, don't, and I agree I say, and disagree with that. Because um, yeah, while I agree that it's, they should not take the title off him, um, but, and if it was to make a long-going feud, I don't see where dropping the title would be necessary. Um, you know, they could If they want to continue this feud to where Danielson eventually takes the title... You know, they can have a good match and they can have Danielson make a rare mistake and Paige capitalize it, take him out of the title picture for a little bit, then have him come back, but always have them like interacting. You know, that's a way they can extend the program if they want to. But I think it's too early. Paige had just taken like year, two years to to get this title and for him to drop it for the new, you know, he's not the flavor of the week, but just because it's Brian Danielson, I think is a big mistake for that, for the short-term and the long-term of him as a champion and him building him as one of the focal points of the company.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well said. I agree with that. Um, the next one comes from Naruto. I really enjoy the Match of the Week segments you guys cover and seem to look into a wide range of promotions you are into. Have you ever thought of covering more Lucha Underground? I know you guys did one match, but I'd like to hear your guys' analysis more. Um, Well, yes. (laughs) I mean, uh, it's weird how these things get decided on. And for me personally, when I'm thinking about what I would want to contribute for Match of the Week, I just don't have a lot of background with Lucha Underground. What I would say, if you like Lucha Underground, you should send us matches you want us to watch and talk about Cause then I'll watch them, and then I will get more familiar. Um, but- yeah, th-
0: yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, because when I set these up, I set them up most of the time. Um, it's it's not. There's no really rhyme or reason. Sometimes, if there's a big happening in wrestling with a certain uh, wrestler, like I'll try to tie that in. But lots of the times, I'm pressed on time, and I end up changing them sometimes one or two times on the fly, just because. I'll watch something and then, oh, I figured, oh, this will be better like this week. So it's coming up and it just it depends like what I'm watching at the time, because I try to keep my ear to the ground when I'm watching wrestling. I try to go back. I have a few shows that I'll talk about where that shows you some of the wrestlings that have happened back in the day. So I just it depends like where I'm at and what looks good and what looks good to even break down, you know, because sometimes there can be a good wrestling match, but it's not necessarily um good to break down because we can get into technicalities of it and lots of people that listen to this don't really know the true ins and outs of wrestling like myself or bobby do so it would be a lot of things going in one ear and out the other um so that's my explanation for that but yeah like bobby said send us some of your matches and then we'll take a look at them
1: yes indeed indeed um next one coming from jerry lawless um, I've been digging your guys' playlist, especially the hip-hop portions of it. I'm not really into what's passing for hip-hop these days. Do you guys have any recommend- recommendations in addition to the ones on your playlist? Um, I don't really. I don't listen to much of the, the newer um, hip-hop stuff either. A lot of what I find on the goes on the playlist is because I really try to be open-minded about the playlist that Spotify creates. So I check out my discovery weekly every single week and I check out the new releases. Um, and so the discover weekly, a lot of times it's giving me stuff that I really like, but it may not be, um, current, you know, I get a lot of stuff from like 2009, 2005, 2016. So, um, that's kind of where I'm at with that. I think that there are some artists I'm interested in, like, that are just kind of uh, still creating definitely like Snoop Dogg is always still creating. He seems to work with a bunch of people and anything that like um, the Cypress Hill guys are doing, I'm interested in. Um, I like Kendrick Lamar. Some of the stuff, the Chance the Rapper does is pretty good, but on the whole scheme of things, that's such a small pie. I don't think I have anything to really um, recommend as far as current hip hop goes.
0: Yeah, I'm in that same boat, but even further away, because I don't really listen to much of their current hip hop because it's not very good. Um, if you want some recommendations, I, for me personally, the hip hop I like is from like the 90s and like the early 2000s. So from the 90s, you know, you can like Bobby said, Cypress Hill or Nas, uh, Tupac, Biggie, the Wu-Tang Clan. Those are ones I really like. If you want to go on the West Coast, Exhibit was really good. So those are, I mean, I still listen to all of that stuff. And I mean, as far as now, I mean, Twisted, they've been in the game for a long time, but they've kind of changed their style. J. Cole's really good. Um, I like Run the Jewels. So if you haven't checked those guys out yet, or you only heard one or two songs, check out their catalogs even more, because if you have a Spotify account, which I'm sure you do, they've pretty much got all the stuff on there that you need to listen to. So just like Bobby said, I uh, was just expand your mind and, you know, just maybe go back in a, a couple decades, a decade or two, and, you know, you'll, ha- you'll find some really good stuff on there.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, you like Spotify for sure. Um, I would say probably one other resource if you want to kind of get your ear down is there's a podcast or a playlist on Spotify, Spotify called um, Monday. It's called Monday Morning. I'm trying to find it real quick. It's called Monday to Monday and it's curated by, um, this, uh, through, through this guy, like, uh, Gary Vee by the, by this guy named Mike Boyd, who's really into the hip hop industry. And they always have like the cutting edge stuff, I guess. And you might find something you like, I don't know, moving on to the Illuminati, not the Illuminati, which I am a part of, so get your shit right. But anyways, um, I know you guys are hard on WWE at times and most of it is warranted, agreed. Uh, can you name some positive things they are doing right now? Um, no, not particularly. I, I think they've really run the Reigns thing into a corner. I don't know really how they're going to get themselves out of it. Uh, or as we like to say, they booked themselves into a corner. And Raw has just been so bad. I mean, even the things that I did like kind of like RK bro and happy Corbin. They're just not even really part of the show. And you got to watch three hours to get two minutes of something enjoyable. Right. And their, their vignettes and their promos are just so insufferable now. Um,
0: yeah. I hate to be, I hate to agree with, I agree with you, but I do because yeah, there's not really anything good right now with the exception of a couple um, snippets of, you know, RK-Bro, like you said, Braun Breaker, you know, on NXT. I just, there's nothing really that, like, gets me to go, okay, I have to sit down and watch Raw or SmackDown or anything like that. And it's unfortunate because they have some good talent on there, but it's like, I'm not an anti-WWE guy. I want them to do well. I want them to get better. I've been watching. That's what started me as a kid, you know? so. I just, I, I got to be cut it down the middle right here. There's nothing really that they're doing right, I think. And that's unfortunate.
1: Yeah. And even more so with the NXT 2.0 reboot, which I think is a, is a fail. Right. Um, so, but 2022 is a new year. We'll see how they uh, get, get their, uh, their booking and program off to the start on their pay-per-view this weekend. Absolutely. Last one, Viper sale. Quite a few people have jumped ship from WWE to AEW. Who do you guys think would be the first big AEW name to cross over to WWE? I think it's a great question because I think it's hard. I couldn't like. It's hard to, to think.
0: Because you got you to think about what guy from AEW does WWE want, especially now with them totally you know, looking for a specific type of person that they can more preferably mold to what they want. They want big bodies. They want ex athletes. They want people that haven't really wrestled, to be honest with you. So, when you look at the AEW roster, you know, there's not a lot of them that could fit that mold. The only one that pops into my mind right now is Wardlow because he's a big dude and, you know, he's kind of in the middle card, lower middle card, even. And I don't know if they flash him like an offer he can't refuse. He can be molded to the style that they want. So that's the name that pops into my head um, right off the bat.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good one. He definitely has the look, the size, and and everything that they typically look for. Also, he doesn't have such a huge following that they're going to run into some of the problems they've had with bringing over well-known indie wrestlers who kind of bring with them expectations of a crowd, you know? Um I thought perhaps Luchasaurus
0: he's been there before and um right. and, and, and if he went he would have to change his old thing but and which I don't think he's willing to do.
1: Right. And that's what really came, I keep came, kept coming to the same thing is everybody on AEW resembles somebody that they that WWE has already cut. Yeah. Right. And it, it's like and and what makes AEW more compelling for these people is one, they have deep enough pockets that it's not a huge financial hit to go from one from WWE to AW. But also it's like they embrace kind of what these what these wrestlers can do and they are allowed to to showcase that. Right. Whereas like I can't think of anybody from AW who's going to go in and really flourish in the WWE system and the way they do things, you know.
0: Right. Or like I said, if WWE even wants them. And, you know, cause, cause AEW, they have, like you said, they have guys that can, you know, do kind of work a different match and where WWE, they want everybody to kind of work essentially the same. They have this really paint by numbers way that they want you to wrestle. So, you know, there's a lot of guys that don't fit that mold. And if they do go over there, they're not going to succeed as much as they would like because they're going to have their whole style or possibly even their um, gimmick changed. So it's just it's a hard one, but like I said, I'm going to stick with Wardlow if that ever happens. But that was our mailbag. If you want to get um, at us and you know drop us some questions or some comments, you can get at me at Xander Hobbs. That's X A N D E R underscore H O B B E S, and that's on Instagram. Or you can get at me on Twitter now, and that's going to be at Hobbs Zander, capital capital Xander, capital HOWBES, capital X A N D E R, no space. And you can drop me a line there. Bobby, where can they find you?
1: Uh, Retzalocalypse, uh, spelt like it sounds on both the IG and the Twitter. And I just do want to say, I want to bring it back before we move on. One thing that I am looking forward to in 2022 is uh, the Steiner Brothers wrestling in AEW against teams like FTR or the Lucha Bros or Young Bucks or basically just watching the Steiners get into AEW. I'm really looking forward to. The, The OG Steiner
0: Brothers? Or are you the Briscoe brothers? <laughs>
1: the Briscoe brothers. I'm there sorry. I
0: was like, God, was... these are old.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, AEW does uh, employ some very old former WWE talent. So,
0: very true. But do, I do agree with that. I'd love to see the Briscoes and AEW. Yes, Briscoes.
1: I apologize. All yeah. right. Yeah. We're moving on. We um, are about ready to blow through our 60 minute time limit, but we're not going to stop. We can't stop. We're going to quick hit the offsides and delay of game. We've got the 2020-2021 NFL regular season coming quickly to an end. Um, obviously, after a severe down of the Washington football team, Dallas has clinched both the division and their playoff berth. Now it's for seeding, and that's kind of what we want to talk about. We've got basically, yeah. I think we have six six spots filled eight left to go over the next, uh, two, two games. Um, so first off, uh, you know, class of the NFC, we'll talk about them. Obviously we've got, um, Dallas Cowboys, Green Bay Packers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Los Angeles Rams.
0: Right. They all have spots. And, um, I think, I think the the Rams have a spot, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, both the Rams and the Cardinals from their division have have clinched their spots.
0: Yeah. Wow. And so as of as it goes right now, the Packers are at 2, Cowboys or Packers are at 1, Cowboys 2, Rams 3, Bucks 4. And at the and the Cardinals are at 5. So Correct. there's two, two spots available. And the Cowboys have a big game coming up which will determine seeding as well as they go up against the Cardinals who uh, that's going to be a tough task even though they've been on a slump.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. That's probably to me the biggest game I'm watching. Um, the Packers, you know, they've had a couple losses, uh, some earlier in the season, but they're looking they're looking pretty stacked. But uh, I think they're vulnerable. Um, Tampa Bay has proven themselves to be able to lay some eggs, some big fat eggs like goose eggs. Tom, right? You know, don't easy on the surfaces. It's not the reason why you didn't score, bro. Um, <laughs> And then kind of moving on, like the bottom half, like I think the Niners are going to get in. Yeah. And I think it looks like the the Eagles are going to get in.
0: Yeah. Those are the two in the hunt right now. That's if the season ended today, the Niners and the Eagles would both be in.
1: Yeah. So and I don't but- think I... I'm not concerned with any of either of those teams. Like, yeah. The
0: Niners are on a surge, but you know, we'll just have to wait and see because there's some problems with Garoppolo right now. And then um, what is it? The Vikings and the Falcons and the saints are all on the bubble, including the Washington football team, but I don't really see any of those teams getting in there.
1: No. And it comes down to some of them are in there just because it's like, tie breaks over people and so they're technically kind of still there but not really still there yeah because a lot of these Um, ones on
0: the bubble need help and any i always say anytime you need help you're not going to get it so you know that's not going to work out
1: yeah and the afc i think things are a little more up in the air because really the only person who's uh uh, clinched their division are the chiefs right they're obviously despite some rough goings early on remain the class of the conference really surprised on the the Titans didn't expect the Titans to to be this good um and then really I think to me it comes down to so I think it goes Kansas City's the number one I don't really believe in the Titans I probably believe more in the Bills than I do the Titans or the Bengals right and then there's the Colts Yeah, and the Colts are weird. They've won a ton in a row, haven't they?
0: Yeah, they have. But then they have this issue now that Carson Wentz will not be playing. And this is um, an important game because the AFC is kind of wide open. There's six spots available. And then the the Patriots are in there. They'll probably get in. And then we have the Dolphins rounding it out that are in the hunt.
1: Yeah, and and which is super surprising that the Dolphins, as bad as the beginning of the season started for them, that they – or even like have something to play for anymore.
0: Right. And then we have people on the teams on the bubble, like the Chargers, the Raiders, the Ravens, the Steelers, Browns, and Broncos. So I, out of all those teams, I mean, because the Colts will be playing the Raiders, which has a lot of implications on that game. Same with the Chargers and the Broncos. The Ravens, I don't see them getting in. I think they're going to lose to the Rams. And the Steelers is a no for me. But the, the, um, the Raiders and the Chargers have the best chance of teams that are um, on the outside looking in.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I read, and I don't know how uh, what the status is now, but uh, the quarterback for the Ravens has a leg injury limping around. So right. I agree. I don't, think, I don't think the Ravens are going to get in. I really think like uh... – I mean, I think the Chiefs have a clear path back to the Super Bowl, right? Um, and I think the NFC, the top four, I think any one of them can do it. Probably the Rams, the least of them, because yeah, really an untested and unproven quarterback in Matthew Stafford, who I don't believe has played a meaningful game in his entire career up to this point, you know? Right. And Yeah,
0: I mean, yeah, the Chiefs look like the ones as like that are cut of are cut above everyone else, and. um yeah, like you said, any of these four that you mentioned could have a clear and re, uh, realistic shot into going. I'm, I, I know the Packers are the favorites, but you know the Cowboys have momentum. Not saying this as a homer, but they do. I granted that's against Washington, but that was a statement game, and you know if they can win out, that would be a huge piece of momentum that they have. Um, the, you can't count out the Bucks, even though they laid some eggs, and so they. They're, they're always lurking around. So I think between the three, I wouldn't be surprised if any of these three had a, had a shot to be headlining the NFC East going into – or the NFC in general going into the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. And I do want to just point out one thing. Um, the NFL is starting the year on January 3rd with one of probably the worst game I could imagine of Cleveland at Pittsburgh. God. Oh, man. Horrible. That's Ugh. horrible. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's so, but this is a big weekend. We are going to talk more about the NFL come January and February uh, as they wrap their season up, but we are not going to spend any more time on it with you guys today. We are moving on to the match of the week. And again, like he said, this was a late, a late change, late change the game.
0: Yeah. I'm not going to tell you what the one was first, because um, that might be on for a later one. But this one, we're going to take you back to spring stampede of 1997, we're going to have in the main event, Diamond Dallas Page versus the Macho Man, Randy Savage. And this is an important uh, match because in 96, 97, Diamond Dallas Page was gaining a ton of momentum as a wrestler. And mind you, if you didn't know, he came into being a wrestler in the ring late in the game. And with his diamond cutter and just how smooth he was, he, was ga- he started off as a heel, but he was gaining a lot of traction with the fans. And when he denied the NWO's request to join him, that kind of popped the lid off everyone because this was a time where everyone was joining the NWO. And this match was important because behind the scenes, Macho, man, he had his ear to the ground for what the crowd want. Macho's a very respected, very good legend in the wrestling ring. And um, he told Paige backstage, he said, you know what? I want to take the diamond cutter tonight which was a huge um, stamp of approval coming from Macho Manta Diamond Dallas Page, who was coming up. And in this, you saw it like it was a great match, had a lot of heat to it leading up. Uh, I can tell, I'll tell you later where you can watch the lead up to this match. But the overall, this match was good and really solidified Diamond Dallas's pa- Page's place um, in w- WCW. And this is what we always talk about, getting, giving someone the rub. And this is how you do it. So Bobby, I want to get your thoughts on this.
1: Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Cause I think that we talked. we've talked about another, I think we talked about another diamond Dallas page and macho man match, but this right. is actually the first time they locked horns in this feud. Um, and it's like, I watched it and then I read some, you know, they've got some interviews <laughs> and what I really liked about it is diamond. Ellen's page was like, when they first locked up, he understood that like Macho Man was bringing it hard. And it's going to be like a super hard hitting match. And um, it also is cool because it brought in kind of the NWO aspects of like how Macho Man had joined them. Um, So really good. I I didn't remember this match. So it was like watching it new. Um, And then, yeah, definitely Macho Man ate the diamond cutter. And especially um, when the NWS sent out their own, referee because the referee took a bump right like you thought for sure macho man was gonna win so it had that like nice twist at the end which is always a nice surprise you know which it makes the match a little bit more um a little more zhuzh to it
0: yeah i agree i agree it was a great match so you can find this anywhere you can find this on youtube peacock daily motion like it's on there and i suggest you check it out if you're a fan of both these guys and if you're listening to this i don't know why you wouldn't be but yeah, it was really cool, really important. And this is one of the things, as you can see, what we're talking about when we talk about putting someone over, actually putting them over and giving them the rub to further move on up the wrestling ranks and in, in wrestling and in fandom.
1: Yes, yes, indeed. Check it out Springstead P97 DDP versus Macho Man Randy Savage. Um, but we don't just watch wrestling. We talk about it all the time. We have other, other uh, TV we like to um, engage with, if you will. What are you watching?
0: All right. So like I talked about at the top of the show, um, I've been hitting the Hulu machine. So the first one I'm going to talk about is called Nickelodeon, the orange years. And it was pretty much the start of Nickelodeon and how it like built itself and like became a staple in actual like children's programming and it was really cool how they got into the history of it because they wa- they said they wanted to make children like not just because there were some children's programs but they were like sprinkled out but they wanted to make a network that was dedicated to just children and not this like cheesy children stuff but stuff kids could relate to because i guess they were saying back in the day you had these children's shows where these kids were like these astronomical kids doing awesome feats of like being super athletes or super smart And kids weren't like locking into that because they couldn't relate to it. So Nickelodeon came out and they made um, shows that kids could relate to, that kids like me and Bobby could relate to. And they went into the shows that were staples, like, you know, you can't do that on television where it showed like, you know, not a so classic, you know, nuclear family type of thing. They showed like, you know, obscure things with kids. And then they went into like, you know, hey dude and salute your shorts and double dare and then of of course like you know they went into snick with like are you afraid of the dark and all that and you know legends of the hidden temple guts you know shows that like if you're our age or you know that were really cool and it was like stuff to look forward to so it tugged on my nostalgia strings that really brought back to my childhood because i see it and I, um, the lady that ran it was cool because she wasn't about marketing or anything until the later years when she left. And she was just like, she just wanted to bring a product that kids could grass onto and enjoy. And I thought that was really cool. And it's something that's missing a lot in our capitalist society. Um, the next show I watched was The Next Thing You Eat, which is also on Hulu. And it just talks about um, food, different types of food and where it comes from and like how You know, we're running out of certain things because of the overconsumption of how we treat these animals and um, our food source in general, just to market it and to sell as much as we can. So, they're 30 minute episodes. There's about six of them. It's really interesting to watch, even if you don't have the same ideals. It's just good to know that our food and the way it's going isn't really sustainable and it's not going to be here forever if we keep treating it like this. So, it's a very informative, eye-opening thing and it's I think it's something that everyone should be aware of and then the last one it's from YouTube um it's a series of shows called Reliving the War it's on the channel Wrestling Bios that's a plug and it's talk it breaks down from the first Monday Night Raw to the first um, Nitro and they compare the shows on the days that they run and they rank them you know about which show beat what and why with the matches and this is where I get like a lot of different matches coming from because it's really cool. The guy takes his time and breaks down the, you know, the little nooks and crannies of about the Monday Night Wars and how, and you can watch it evolve and step up and go back and forth. And it's just, it's a really cool if you're a wrestling fan and it'll, if you're, especially if you're a new one and you can see about, you can finally get your head around the type of shows that we watched and how, how, why we're kind of like hard on the WWE where they're at now because of what they put out back then. Granted, they can't put out some of the content they did, but I'm talking about building superstars and building wrestlers and listening to the crowd and, you know, riding a certain guy's momentum for what brings on the next show. So I think all those you should check out really cool, but um, enough of me. What are you watching?
1: Um, We started watching Welcome to Earth. It's on Disney Plus. It's Will Smith's new show with Disney and Nat Nat Geo. And it was really, really cool. Just um, really well done. I mean, beautifully shot. As good as any David Attenborough um, special. And really uh, just tackling, tackling our, our planet in kind of a different way. Um, Will Smith is a very good presenter. He's naturally charismatic. He's a fresh Prince of Bel-Air, obviously. Um, and then he's got kind of a team of other people who are explorers and photographers. Um, there's this one guy who talks about his experience, uh, being told, totally blind since he was a freshman in high school. And this guy is like rappelling down into the, off the crest of a volcano. And so it's just got a lot of like, Oh wow, that's crazy. And like, no fucking way would I ever do that type moments. Um, they go down, they go down on um, the last episode that I watched, uh, he goes down to the midnight zone where sun can't penetrate the ocean and they look at the animals and everything. So just super cool. Well done nature show. Um, The other one uh, at the behest of the prodigy we have been watching is on discovery. Plus it's called super dad. And the premise of the show is this guy is basically like a contractor and he helps dads. He goes and he builds basically playhouses, tree houses, stuff with the dads for their kids. And so, she really likes it. They do all sorts of crazy things. They built like a pirate ship. They build, um, you know, all sorts of different things that are tailored to the kids and their and the things they like. Um, so it's a really fun show, really family orientated. And then lastly, what uh, really has stood out that I've enjoyed is called Bake Squad. It's on Amazon or no, it's on Netflix. I'm sorry. And uh, it's basically the lady who the chef who started the Milk Bar, pretty famous in New York. Um, I think they did, uh, I think Amazon had a, uh, um, a special on her as part of the chef's table, uh, series. Um, and then she's got a bunch of just really three, really amazing bakers and, and they bring clients in and it could be one time it's a wedding cake. Another time it's something for like a promotional event and each person makes their own take on what they need. And then the person gets to decide which one they do and then they go do it. And like, you know, a lot of these competitions, the time is really trying for people and they always make these mistakes. And like, this is cool. Cause these bakers, they don't really make those mistakes and they just do these really kind of outlandish and Epic like bakes and builds cake bills and stuff. So it's really cool. One of the, um, one of the bakers on it was formerly on cake boss. So, It's just really enjoyable and it's episodic and we haven't seen it. So we've been, we've been watching that and just all the normal stuff trying to keep up with like, you know, grocery games and guys stuff and just the normal stuff that we've talked about, but that's about it. Right on. All right. The ball is in your court, my friend for the final get rid of one of 2021.
0: I got a good one and I just remembered it while I was in the bathroom so speaking of hip-hop that our um, friend um, Illuminati, not Illuminati, but uh, Jerry Lawless has brought up is hip-hop. And one of my favorite hip-hop groups is the Wu-Tang Clan. So we're gonna be getting rid of one member of the Wu-Tang Clan out of four, but they've have more, but they're gonna be members that are not really on the forefront, but are just as important. So are we getting rid of the genius slash Jizza, or Raekwon the Chef, or Ghostface Killer, or Inspecta Deck.
1: Um, I think I'm getting rid of Inspecta Deck. Reasons. I just. I think that if you removed him, the band would still be as good as it is. I think everybody else, like the chef and like, I think they have really strong moments throughout the different albums and songs and stuff. And I, when I thought about it, I just couldn't really think of a lot off the top of my head from inspect the deck. And obviously it's tough too, because like they're all great, but I mean, Wu-Tang is so top heavy, right? It's like method man and red man and RZA. And so um, I'm not getting rid of the genius. No, you know, Um, so it really came down to that and inspected deck. It just wasn't his day to day.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was going to go a different route and yeah, I purposely didn't include uh, RZA and method band just because like, you know, those guys are like focal points of it. Um, the genius I'm not getting rid of because liquid swords is one of my favorite, not just Wu-Tang albums, but favorite hip hop albums of all time. Rayquan's just got some dirty ass flows, so I'm not gonna get rid of him. To me, it's between Ghostface and Inspected Deck, but like, I'm gonna go with you. Agree with you, and I'm gonna get rid of Inspected Deck because while some of his verses are my favorite, like Ghostface has that voice, and while his flow isn't my favorite, um, like you said, that's what changed my mind. Is what you said is the ball would keep rolling if Inspected Deck left, just the way I, you know, you put it. So yeah, not your day to day. Sorry, bud.
1: Sorry, inspected deck, but um, you know, you're doing fine for yourself.
0: Yeah. All right. We're coming down to the wire. We got two more things to hit until we blast into the new year. We're coming into walk out music and Bobby is laying his down right now. So go ahead and tell us what you're walking out to.
1: Yeah, man, this is, uh, I'm, I'm sticking with the hip hop and this is, uh, this is the title track Connecticut casual off the album titled Connecticut casual. Um, and it's, uh, it's, a. got, there's a bunch of people on it, but it's on an album. Um, again, this is something that came to me through the magic that is Spotify, um, around the same time that I, I found that Richie Cunning song we talked about earlier, but I really like this one a lot. It's got a really cool, uh, it has a lot of co- really cool intro that I think would be perfect for walking out to. And I like how kind of the beginning, the dude's flow. It's kind of a little bit slower, a little bit methodical. Um, obviously, we've put a lot of Tech 9 on here, which is the opposite of that. So just showing a little bit of variety. But this one's called Connecticut Casual. Check it out right now. You see the
0: clock ticking and you got nothing written and you wonder what you're spitting. Yeah. I don't ever want to be. Like I did that, so day. that Take me day To the best I love Take me all the way yeah. I don't ever wanna feel Like I did that, so day. that day To the best I love yeah. Take me all the way Willimatic, a, a drug-infested small town In the middle of the state of Connecticut In the middle you might say, oh, nowhere, oh, 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 oh. nowhere that is Unless you want to buy or sell drugs. Around the time when Fresh Prince's show debuted, and back when Nickelodeon had doubled there and hey, dude, my mother's ex-man Neil drove a Honda Prelude. Hung out with some bikers and the cop coke preludes. Gnarly on the Harley White, people party hard. It would keep me up Ooh. at night. So at school, I'll be tardy. Tagged the desk with a Sharpie. High, I'm riddling his arm. How high? Higher than blonde, a fucking kamikaze. Sometimes I feel like the bomb, and no one can disarm me. A black hole, son. That'll melt your plastic Barbie Kami yeah. in the 60s with this Rikki, Tiki, Tavi, and Koba, Kai, Karate i I'll body anybody
1: oh, wow. Absorce the baddest Chad Dawson. a rag rad with rap, clap him, and trap him in black coffins. A crack is a copy, covering, curse a motherfucker. The Pharaoh that hovers
0: above the pyramids, they discover on the surface of Mars. Why you purchasing cars? i trading blood to the gods, and I'm purchasing stars. On the block, island, am a rocking a pair of sparrows. I out on Nantucket
1: fucking there you go. Just another banger from Bobby B.
0: Yeah, as usual. Um... I'm going to stay with hip hop as well. And this one I found through this guy I follow on Instagram. And he pointed me to the direction of this guy's page. His name is Young Merck. And um, if you follow him, he is a very socially conscious cat and lays down a lot, debunks a lot of um, disinformation about, you know, race, politics, um, stuff like that, stuff that we're into. And he's a pretty badass rapper. And so I found this, found his page on Spotify, and this song is called Back to Basics. And he's just got really cool flow, good beats. And like I said, part of it, what I like, it's a lot of social conscious stuff, which I think is important because like hip hop is drowned out with just a lot of nonsense, which can be fun sometimes, but to me it gets old and I can relate more to this stuff. And um, so you can check it out right here and like what you like about it.
1: Hey, turn me hey, up. I need them to help me, me, man. Time to get back, to, to, get the get back to the basics. Understand that my skills are limitless Most of these songs you hear now is frivolous That's why I'm ripping this Today I'm about to show these niggas the difference Between a rapper and a lyricist I've been schooling them, time to give them a syllabus I didn't want to do it, they put me in a predicament The culture they been robbing big, shit is ridiculous Kill them with eminence, put them in a the cage like Nicholas I'll tear this roof off the bitch and the shingles This new wave, we don't speak the same lingo I will put a mark on these squares like bingo Full clip and I let the whole thing go You in foreign territory, you a gringo cool from a and when
0: you against this no when come to smoke you Yeah, it's pretty cool. and I suggest you check out some of his stuff. These will be going on the playlist of 2021, and I'm really excited about that and I'm excited for the new one that's coming your guys's direction in the new year.
1: Yes, indeed. but I am lathered up. I'm in the ring, I've did some push-ups. I'm looking my veins are popping, I'm ready to go. And uh, I think I think I'm going to turn heel today. What do you think?
0: I think that's cool, because if it sounds like it's if it's a crowd's asking for it, then you got to give it to them, which brings us to our topic of today. The last one of 2021 is the art of the turn. For those of you guys that are scratching your head, what, do you, what the fuck are you talking about? Turn it's um, in wrestling. We all know you have baby faces, which are the heroes, the good guys, the protagonists. And you have the heels who are the antagonists. Some people start that way and they eventually turn to the other side do according to what how they're being perceived from the crowd, um, if their character's not working or not, but it's most of the time how it used to work out is the crowd turns you. Because um, most of the wrestlers that are beloved today, most of them started off as heels at one point. I dare say like about 70 to 80% of wrestlers that are like today started off as heels or, you know, went from one to another. Um, so what happens is the crowd comes out. If you're a babyface, you're supposed to get cheered, right? But the crowd is either not cheering you or they're apathetic, which is usually the kiss of death, which is you get no reaction. So if the crowd's not cheering you, you, you find some way to turn them. And sometimes that gets you back on track. And same with the heel on the ba- uh, heel turning to the baby face side. So our closest example is we can go to Stone Cold Steve Austin, who was a pretty dastardly heel. And, you know, but for some reason, according to the time where we were at, the crowd was just um, relating to him and attaching to him because he was kind of like a no-nonsense guy that told his boss to fuck off. And a lot of people can relate to that. And the crowd turned him and which was set him to like, you know, into the stratosphere. I don't... What do you want to add to that so far?
1: I think that when we talk about kind of the art of the turn and really the most impactful turns, you have to have an established character being one or the other. Like Stone Cold was like, he was Stone Cold Steve Austin. And we think about like Hulk Hogan was Hulk Hogan before he turned heel. And they have, a so when they make that turn, it's so much more impactful. What I was thinking about is like, You know, in modern wrestling, and this is one of the things is a lot of people, and we've talked about this, want to be tweeners. Right. Because they don't want, they're not going to, they don't want the heat on social media. They don't want to have to really sell the heel aspect of their character when they're trying to market themselves. Right. You know, and that's one of the things that's so refreshing like with MJF, he's like he's really bought into his heel persona and he he works it. It's a all the time, right. which means that if there's ever and there may never be, some heels don't turn. Exactly. But for MJF, like he's established himself as such a dashly heel that if there comes a time, then they can write it well. And that turn can be really impactful and really yeah, gain a could. lot of momentum.
0: Yeah. And th- that's the thing too. Like a lot of people don't really buy in. To their like heel or babyface character, like when Seth Rollins was playing a babyface, yeah, he was liked for a little bit, but you could—it wasn't sustainable because he didn't really believe it, and you know he didn't. So it's just like, like you know, you have to like be all in on your character, and you know, it's okay to be a heel because you're gonna sell money, you're gonna sell tickets to the babyface to watch try to watch the babyface come and kick your ass and get your comeuppance. And you're going to make money just as well. Then, like you know, everybody wants to sell a T-shirt, but the more eyeballs that are on your product with you on the marquee, that can be just as fruitful, Um, you know. And these days, nobody really like has a big impactful heel turn, like with Shawn Michaels' turn to heel, and he totally changed, and because that was the Rockers were well beloved and the way he turned and just totally, we remember him more now for being the heartbreak kid than being part of the Rockers. And it's just not like that anymore. They have, they do these like soft turns where all of a sudden you'll see somebody teaming with the, with the, um, with the, with either side. And you're just like, well, why are they, why is he teaming on that side now? And it just doesn't make any sense. And you can't really get that connection with the crowd that you're watching. So I feel it's almost like a lost art. Like, you know, because, yeah, you can see it while you can see some turns coming, if it's done correctly, it, it just does that much more for the longevity of the character. Like we talked about with Diamond Dallas Page when he turned um, on the NWO and, or with Steve Austin or with Hogan turning into the NWO, you know, it just it gave it gave all those guys way more longevity. Instead of like, you know, I know guys flip flop and stuff a lot, but like when you turn like guys like the big show where you're turning every other week, so it seems you just it, it makes the person not care. And that's one of our focal points of like watching. It's like, who's fighting? Why are they fighting? And most importantly, why do we care? And I just think that, you know, some people are doing it right. And it, you can tell. And there's some that that's why their characters just kind of like, you know, tread water.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we think recently, obviously, Roman Reigns' heel turn was really what has propelled him to. Nobody was talking about him as the best rest, male wrestler anytime when they were shoving him down our throat as a babyface. Right. Right. And that just goes to show established babyface wasn't getting traction. They found him, he turned him heel. It's really helped his character and really helped him.
0: Right. Or look at The Rock. Like when The Rock first came out, he was a white meat babyface. And he was getting out of buildings. It, and, you know, when they turned him, that set him to where he is right now, you know, and you know, who knows if they were doing their stubborn ways that they are now, then we might not have seen stone cold, Steve Austin or the rock to where they're at, at the level, that, levels that they were at.
1: Yeah. And it brings me to something I'm going to be watching. I don't know if I'm looking forward to it, but the way that the uh, AWO is kind of teasing the Cody Rhodes turn and really kind of like engaging the crowd in a certain way to like, I don't know. It seems like it's going to be pretty interesting. I know that there, Cody Rhodes obviously has knows everything that needs to be known about a good heel heel turns. Right. Like, I mean, come on. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with his character. Um, because like Xander said, wrapping it up um, it's, it's a lost art. It's just a lost art. It's like the promotions, there's too many tweeners. There's too many fake feuds being quickly put together to, to feed the pay-per-view machine that they've signed up for on the WWE side, you know? Um, so it'll be interesting. I also do think that I, it wasn't this year, it was probably last year, but Will Ospreay's uh, heel turn, which came with also like 30 extra pounds of muscle and right. just, just it, it's like it changed the way he wrestled, which is also part of it, you know. That's another um,
0: thing, too, that I'm glad you brought that up because it's like when you change, like especially when you're a wrestler like Ospreay or like a Jeff Hardy or like someone that has like a dynamic moveset that pops the crowd. You know, your job isn't to pop the crowd as a heel. Your job is to boo them. So when people like change their look and their style, that's all part of the package of like making a full turn. It's That's what it is. It's a turn. You can't still wear bright colors and, you know, you know, um, pander to the crowd when you're a heel. You're different. And that's the thing with Cody Rhodes. What I think is going to happen is like, I don't think there's going to be that big thing to solidify his turn. I think they're just going to keep, putting things on top of one another and getting the crowd more pissed off. And he's going to have the same attitude that he has now, which is already heelish, but he's just, it's just going to switch to different wrestlers. He's wrestling. Cause like, and you're just going to see more little snippets of like heelish things that he does until he makes the full turn without it. Cause I don't think there needs to be like a big dynamic thing. Cause the crowd already hates him.
1: Right. So,
0: you know, cause he's just going to keep doing little things on top of one another. That's how I see it.
1: Yeah, I agree. We'll, we're going to see, though. We're gonna, um, I think it's going to be in the first half of 2022. We're going to see where they're going to go with that. Yeah,
0: so you're not going to have to wait too long, and you're not going to have to wait too long about this because we're going to try and get it dropped early or later this evening. But on that note, since we can't top that, we all hope you have a happy new year. Yours truly, Xander Hobbs.
1: Ours truly in this life, Bobby B. And we'll see you in 2022. Booyakasha.
0: All right, buddy. So you'll get that out.
1: Yeah. 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 All right, cool. Well, you have a happy new year, bro. Say hi to the family. You too. You too. If I can't get it out today, I'll go out early tomorrow. All right, man. See ya. Yep. The he lays her down, he frowns Take my life's a funny thing Am I still too young? He kissed the diamond there. She took his ring, took his babies It took him minutes, took her nowhere Never knows she'd have taken anything All
0: night She wants a young American